The Mac Observer's Mac Geek Gab, episode 527 for Sunday, November 9th, 2014. Greetings, folks, and welcome to the Mac Observer's Mac Geek Cab, the show where you send in questions, cool stuff found, and tips. We answer your questions, we share your cool stuff found, and we answer your tips. By sharing them. And we all try to learn several new things each time we get together. Your sponsor for this show, our sponsor for your show, is Gazelle. Gazelle.com, the place where you can go and send all of your used Apple devices and turn them into cash. We'll talk more about that and more in the show here in Durham, New Hampshire. I'm Dave Hamilton. Here in Fairfield, Connecticut. John F. Braun. And here in Durham, New Hampshire, it's Pilot Pete. Thanks for having me, guys. Hey, we got a threesome going today. This is a good thing. Oh, boy. Hey. <laughs> That's better than John starting the show. But in pre-show, John was showing me a new anonymized social service. And so we had a pre-show chat about the random topics we found in this yik-yak social service. You found uh, Muslims, the Brits, bisexuality. And butthurt atheists. That is what you missed by not attending MacGeekab.com slash stream, which is where you get all wow. of the uh, pre-show conversation. But it's localized, so I don't know what's up with you people up in New Hampshire there. Oh, Durham. boy. <laughs> yeah. And, well, look at that. So we just added a fifth group to either identify with or offend. So that was perfect. That's right. Yeah. yeah just in case we didn't have all the bases just covered. Just pin on that grenade, John, and roll it right under the tent. For that right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I think the grenade was already rolling. Yeah. Yeah, you know, I, th I don't think there was any risk in that. All right, let's um, let's go straight into some questions here and see if we can get this show on track. I was going to say back on track, but that is we we have yet to be on track. But that's okay. We're only two minutes in, so uh, so John, take it away. Huh. Well, let's start off with Andy because I learned something new, which is always fun. So Andy from Scotland here. And he says, quick question. I have upgraded my iOS devices to 8.1 and Mac to Yosemite and opted in to iCloud photo library beta. I know that a new photos app is expected in the new year. But in the meantime, is there any way for me to add lots of existing photos to the service via my Mac? And at first, Dave, I thought the answer was no. Yeah, I thought no it was way. no. Because the only way I thought you could add it was, well, I tried. So the thing is, I uh, so there is an FAQ, which we'll, you know, we'll post that, that talks about it and basically says, well, you know, if you're on a Mac, then you're going to have to wait for the new Photos app in order to interact with the iCloud photo library. You cannot with existing programs because I tried it, Dave. I tried it with Aperture. I tried to put it into, uh, you know, my photo stream. And although Aperture can consume the contents of iCloud photo library, and I guess iPhoto as well, it cannot submit things. Once you make the leap, uh, you're, you're kind of out of luck on the Mac side. Or so I thought, but then I poked around online and uh, I, I found a... I, uh, I'm going to interrupt right 
for a moment because I thought that anything that your Mac synced to PhotoStream also then was included in iCloud Photo Library. Is that um, not true? I tried manually submitting a photo okay. with Aperture yep. to PhotoStream, and I did not see it on my iOS devices. So, okay. So my conclusion is that, you know, once you make, is that they're, they're somewhat separate. You can still consume the contents on a Mac, right? but you cannot submit contents. Yeah, okay. I just, I, over. I thought the automatic syncing to PhotoStream from your Mac automatically pumped it into iCloud Drive, but, or iCloud Photo Library. But I, clearly, uh, based on your testing, that is not true. So, all right, moving on. Correct. Okay. Um, however, I did a little poking around online, and I found an article, uh, I think it was uh, from our friends uh, at iMore and, and our buddy Peter. Uh, and apparently they discovered, along with some others, that you can do it through the interwebs <laughs> or through a browser. Okay. But there's a trick. So if you log into iCloud, um, but you have to do it in a special way. So if you log into iCloud, you, you will see photos and it has a little beta across it. And you can see the contents of your uh, of your uh, stream there. Um. But you can also submit. But here's the trick. You have to log into beta.icloud.com. Not regular. If you log into the regular and you go to your photo stream and you look at moments, you will not see an upload choice. But if you log into beta.icloud.com and then you go to your photos and look at moments, you will then see an upload option. So there is a way. Nice. Oh so, yeah, this totally you know, it's works. Clunky. So, so, uh, so the thing is, there is as of yet no piece of software on the Mac uh, that will do it. But you can do it through a browser. Yeah. So, so no, no dedicated clients. But, but yeah, okay. Huh? Do you need to enable iCloud Drive or something? Because I don't have a Photos option. I went to the beta.icloud.com. Have you not <coughs> enabled iCloud Photo Library? I bet I have on your on phone my yet? iOS. Phone. Yeah, because yeah. I was waiting to upgrade to Yosemite. And I'm sorry to yeah to Yosemite, Yosemite on my on my laptop. Yep, which I just did last week. So. Okay. Yeah, okay, yeah, 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 yeah. That then that's that's, that's what it is. So gotta, yeah, you gotta you gotta kick that on. Yeah. yeah Good find, man. That's awesome. I had no idea that that was there. And um, while we were talking about it, you, uh, I did it right here. So. I don't know if that was a good thing or not. I don't know if that was smart. Uh -oh. It seems to have worked out. Yeah, that's right. Uh oh, yeah. Hey, um, so pizza's uh oh, so that's as good an opportunity as any to talk about the, what happened last week, right, John? So, uh, you know, I mentioned that during the show, I was not doing the show from the iMac. I was doing it in front of the iMac, but the iMac was dead. Uh, could not get it to start. You surmised um, likely correctly uh, that it was a power supply issue. After the show, John, I immediately left, actually went to a hockey game because uh, that's what we do on the weekends with a 12-year-old son that plays hockey. And then when we got back from the hockey game, I figured, well, let me come up to the studio and see what, uh, see what I can do. And, and this was something I discovered literally 30 minutes before we recorded the last show, right, John? So I didn't have a whole lot of time to, uh, to diagnose. Diagnosed? Diagnose. Um, so I came up here and... What would happen and, and did happen after I, uh, we got back from the hockey game is, John, I would turn it on uh, with the switch on the back of the iMac, 2007 iMac, 
and it would begin to start up. Sometimes I would get a chime. Sometimes I would get half a chime, but uh, it wouldn't really go any further than that. And it would immediately shut back off. This was not good. And then for some reason, I decided to hold the power button in and I held the power button in for, I was going to hold it in for 10 seconds after about five seconds, something odd happened. I had a very long beep after which the computer started up totally fine. Now you did some digging after I, I told you this and you, you figured out what this sounded like, right, John? I did. You did. I did. You did. <laughs> Do you remember what you found? Uh, you found you found an article that that detailed this being both the process and the sound and results that one would get after um, telling the computer by holding the button in to complete a, I believe, a firmware upgrade. Now, to my knowledge, oh, the beeps. Yes. Okay. Yeah, to my knowledge, there was no firmware upgrade uh, pending on this machine. Now, that, that could be wrong. Maybe there was one years and years ago that, that never finished. But that, so then it started up. And I, so immediately, as soon as it started up, I, I did a, a fresh clone of the drive because that's what you do. And I, I managed, there was one bit of data. I think I mentioned that our QuickBooks data wasn't quite synced the way I want. So I, I changed that. Now I'm syncing that actually amongst multiple machines here using BitTorrent Sync. Uh, and that's working really well. Uh, BitTorrent Sync is awesome, by the way. For those of you that uh, haven't checked it out, it's like Dropbox without the need for a server at all, right? So um, it just is a peer-to-peer syncing. Now, if you have something like a Synology or uh, some some box, maybe you've got a Mac Mini server, you can certainly run any one of the clients full-time, and then you always have something to sync with. Uh, but... Uh, but it, it's just client syncing. So unlimited storage or uh, you're not paying monthly for storage. It's it's limited by the amount of storage that you have on whatever devices you're syncing with. But um, but it works great and it works on your local network. It works over the Internet. It's magic because it's using the BitTorrent protocol, which is already very robust in, in that way. So, uh, yeah, I highly recommend checking it out. So that's that's my aside. Anyway, I got that all that worked out. I got the thing uh, cloned. And then I shut the computer off because I had to know if this was a one shot deal or if it was going to be fine. And I shut the computer off. I left it off for a minute. I turned it back on. Everything was fine. I let it sleep overnight, which then of course did another clone. It was fine. Came back in the next morning. Totally fine. Lisa came up to start doing work in the meantime, because I knew I had to fly out to Mac tech Monday. I, uh, I set her computer at home up so that she could work entirely from there. If, if things didn't work, um, but it, they did. And she was fine. And then at about 1030 on Monday morning, I get a text from Lisa saying the iMac just shut off. That was it. No warning, no fanfare, just everything's happy. Go lucky. And now nothing on the screen. No lights. Zilch came up. Couldn't even get it to chime. There was nothing. So I went on eBay, John, and for 30 bucks, I ordered a power supply because that's what you do. I had to know. I also started thinking about how nice it would be to have a retina iMac in my office and take the 27 inch iMac from the office and put it up here, which is still in the back of my mind. Um, I might try to wait until those are on refurb because why not? Right. 
Any week now. What's that? Any week now. Any month now, probably. Not before Christmas. Yeah, right. Well, uh, yeah, probably not. That's probably true. So, uh, so uh, I got home from my from Mac Tech, which I want to talk about too. Um, and uh, I, my daughter and I, uh, because this is the machine we take apart together, we took this one apart and popped in the new power supply, which was a relatively simple operation, given how many times we've been in and out of this machine. Likely, maybe part of the reason the power supply would have died, uh, you know, um, moving, moving all that dust around. Yeah. Yeah. Although the power supply is fairly well protected um, when you're in there, but anything's possible. Right. So who knows? It's also a seven year old machine. So it's, it, you know, that that alone. And uh, I had a moment as I was drifting off to sleep one night at Mac Tech that, wait a minute, you know. What, is there a PRAM battery in this iMac? Is that all that's going on? Is that thing dead? And uh, so we did replace the power supply, but I, I chose not to fully honor the troubleshooting process, John. And on my way out of this machine and in closing it up, I saw the PRAM battery right there and I replaced it with a brand new one because I happen to have a brand new CR2032. And I learned something. Uh, those, those, uh, those quarter size batteries, you know, John, the CR 2032s that we all use the three volt mm-hmm. ones. So I had one that was labeled a DL 2032 and I looked at all the markings on it, three volts, everything seemed the same. And so I did a little search and the DL 2032 is simply Duracell's branded model name for their version of a CR 2032. So while you need to be very careful in not there are a lot of batteries that are that same size. Some are, I think some are even 12 volts, right? I mean, it's, it's yeah, well, not, it's yeah. Yeah. That'd be bad. That'd be bad. <laughs> right. You got to be really careful. But in, in this particular scenario, the CL 2032 and the, or the CR 2032 and the DL 2032 are interchangeable. So, uh, so I replaced that too, which I know I shouldn't have done if, if, if I were going to honor the process, because now I don't really know what solved it. In a sense, I don't really care, um, but I sort of do because I have another one of these machines, almost exactly the same uh, vintage and machine uh, over in the house as, as the kind of the house iMac. And so if it were the battery, I kind of would want to know that to replace that battery, but I'll replace that battery next time I'm in that machine, no matter what uh, at this point. And, and I think that's, it's a good process because it, it's really simple to do. Once you get the screen off, but the biggest pain in the neck with these computers is putting the screen back on because what you do is in order to do anything on these, you've got to, you put, you literally put suction cups on the screen and pull the, the screen off. And, and, and there's actually two screens. There's the, the actual screen. And then there's this glass that goes over it. You're pulling the, su- the glass off with the suction cups. And then the screen, if you have to remove what you do to get to the power supply, you don't, if you, uh, if you're just doing the battery, um, you know, comes off with screws and all that stuff. But when you're putting all this back together, getting the dust off of the inside of the glass and the surface of the screen simultaneously is a big pain in the neck. And in fact, we did not succeed with this one. It, you know, the, the a the it's wintertime now, so it's a little drier in the house than it usually is. And B, where we did this in the kitchen is right next to Hector's cage. And we had just I had gotten. A, in fact, I think the box that the power supply came in, we'd given to Hector because oh. she likes to tear those kinds of things apart. So there was just dust 
everywhere in the air. But surprisingly, I'm not seeing anything that's driving me crazy on this screen. So um, no clean room for you, eh? <laughs> not yesterday. No, but it, it 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 is working. It has worked overnight. And if you're hearing this show and don't hear anything more about it during this show, then uh, then then it worked fine throughout the show as well. It was an interesting tour, though, John. And uh, thank you for the for for both the advice on the power supply and also the, the little heads up. I'm still really curious about this machine acting like it went through a firmware upgrade. That that's sort of the, the head scratcher and all this. Yeah, I've, actually, our pal Duffy ran into that once too. Okay, I think it maybe if the power supply is is getting wacky, it may corrupt the. Uh, you know, part of a uh, part, part of memory that holds the uh, holds the firmware. I don't know. Sure, because he ran into that too, and I'm like, yeah, oh, well, that, that this means uh, you got to you know apply a firmware or reapply a firmware update, and I think Maybe. that actually uh, yeah fix the problem. I had a problem with beeps too, Dave. Go ahead. Recently, well, I just got a RAM upgrade here for uh, you know for my new refurb here because it only had four gigs, and that's you know kind of wimpy. So I wanted to get a 16 gig kit. So I ordered a 16 gig kit, uh, crucial, but I got it from Amazon and, okay. uh, you know, it came, took the bottom off, took the old memory out, put the new memory in, start up the machine. Beep, beep, beep. I'm like, oh man, what did I, did I, did I destroy something? That's not good. <laughs> so I'm like, okay, you know, I grounded myself and, uh, you know, it, it was powered off and all that. Uh, I didn't, disconnect the battery which uh they, they do recommend you do but you don't have to um i'm like huh well that's really weird so uh all right put the old memory back in let's see if uh you know i, I fried the machine somehow or, or it got fried and right it's like nope starts up great i'm like okay then uh i'm like well let's let's try to diagnose this so i put um one of the new chips one of the new eight gig chips in beep 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 i'm like oh, what the then I put in the other one, started up great. Hey, that's good news. Conclusion. One of the chips was bad. It happens. DOA. So, um, and you know, Amazon's real good about this. Uh, you know, uh, applied for a return. They got, gave me a shipping label, put it in the, uh, you know, put it in the UPS, local UPS box. Uh, they sent out a new one. Actually, it's funny because they got my return before I got the, the replacement, but got the replacement, popped them in and everything was wonderful. So. Hey, that's, oh, okay. So it really was two bad chips? No, one bad chip. One bad chip, okay. Yeah, I told you. I, I, uh, so I took the new chips, put one in the machine, and it still gave me the three beeps. I put the other one in, and it didn't give me the three beeps. Therefore, one of the eight gig chips was defective. Yeah, yeah, totally. Again, yeah, it yeah. happens, you know, um, even though, you know, Crucial, you know, makes good stuff uh who knows what happened but um yeah at first i was scared i'm like oh man well that you know that's the thing about ram i mean for, first of all most ram comes with a lifetime warranty and in fact i wouldn't buy ram that didn't there's no reason it shouldn't because uh it's either going to be doa or it's just going to work forever and uh and and so there's no reason a company shouldn't offer a lifetime warranty on it um I mean, I get, you know, in your case, I guess, unless you sat on it for years and years before you even tried to plug it in, um, you know, it's either dead or it's not. So, well, that's good. I'm glad, man. So now you get 16 gigs in your, uh, in your MacBook pro there, your new one. 
Yeah, and I'm trying. Uh, well, we'll post this article here, but I think okay. yeah. But three beeps means I don't, I don't like this memory. That, Got that. it. <laughs> Got it. Got it. Um, I did have one thing I wanted to point out because uh, you know, after I replaced this PRAM battery, I started the machine back up, and of course, it had been a week right since it had ran, and and so it wanted to do its backups and clones, and it needed to sync mail and. So, you know, it's doing stuff and I see it going and I see the CPUs are at a hundred percent and that's, you know, it's like, okay, well, that's, that's what it's supposed to be, right? It's not disc bound because it's got an SSD in here. So it's doing what it's normally doing. Great. No problem. And then the backups finish and I'm seeing this process called RPC SVC host and it's chewing up a lot of CPU. In fact, it's chewing up every bit of available CPU. So things are sitting at a hundred percent. At first I thought it was part of carbon copy cloner. And then I realized, no, it has nothing to do with Carbon Copy Cloner. And I did some searching online, and I yeah, found that... RPC, it, I think, is Remote Procedure Call? Well, that's what I thought. One thing that it means. Yeah, exactly. And I'm actually, that may be what it means, but I saw quite a few posts about people finding that it was doing the same thing, sitting at 100% after, um, or when their PRAM batteries died. And I thought, whoa, that's interesting. You know, did I put in a dead battery? And I know I didn't because I had actually just put this battery in a weird remote control for some speakers that, that I have. So I know the battery worked because the, the remote didn't work prior to replacing this battery. So I took it out. It, was, it wasn't quite brand new. It was maybe three weeks old, right? So in these things last year. So I wasn't worried about, you know, the three weeks it sat and the one time I pushed the button causing any significant drain. Uh, but I did think, well, you know, I did just replace this battery maybe the pram is just totally corrupted so i reset pram on this machine which is the same as it ever has been as you as soon as you hear the startup chime you hold down command option p and r and hold it down until you hear the startup chime again so of course because i uh am a superstitious dude i let that happen three times and then i let go uh and uh and it has been fine ever since so uh, if you ever see RPC SVC host running uh, at full tilt, first thing to do is to reset your PRAM. But if you have no other reason to suspect why your PRAM got corrupted in the first place, uh, then you may, in fact, have a bad battery inside the computer. So just figured yeah. I'd throw that out there. Yeah. Now, yeah. Interestingly enough, this machine, the MacBook Pro 2012. Mm hmm does not have a backup battery. Right. How do I know this? Because when I installed the RAM the second time around, I disconnected, you know, there's a connector from the battery yeah. to the motherboard. And, uh, you know, per the recommendation, you know, I just wanted to be safe. Uh, I disconnected it before I put in the uh, the memory. Yeah. And when I started the machine up, it said, uh, dude, the uh, date and time's wrong. Right. I, I actually get an alert from the OS and then quickly it fixed itself because... I have a uh, date and time set to go out to a uh, uh, time server. Sure. Uh, so, so initially it, it warned me yep. that, yeah, this doesn't look right, <laughs> yep. but then it fixed itself. So uh, yeah. Cause I guess the, uh, so keep an eye on that because you may need to also just reset your PRAM. Ah, uh, yeah. Right. I mean, cause effectively you did the same thing I did. You, you, you know, removed the motherboard from its PRAM battery uh, for, some period of time. Right. So, um, yeah, I don't think I maybe am I wrong that saying that no Mac laptops 
have separate PRAM batteries these days? Oh, they do. Some my, do. My old. Oh, well, gosh. Yeah. No, well, I meant old, these days. Yeah. Well, my 2008 did. Really? And boy, oh, boy. You know where they put that? Oh, man. What oh, a nightmare. Really? They put it. Um, yes. They put it under the DVD drive. <laughs> it was such a freaking nightmare to get that thing out of there. Because <sighs> oh. I was running into the, the, the same problem is that, you know, I'd. Uh, take the the machine off of power, and then I'd start it up, and it's like, um, yeah, it's a, uh, you know, nineteen ninety whatever, whatever yeah, the yeah, epoch. Yeah. It's like the date and time is wrong, and I'm like, oh, you know. So I looked online and uh, actually bought one, um, for my fix it, and it actually turns out it is a, I think it's one of those CR twenty thirty two batteries, same same one, okay, yeah, with a, a proprietary. Uh, you know, connector. Oh, you got to solder the connector onto the battery, right? Yeah, the thing is, I, I, well, I bought one that was uh, pre-soldered. Pre-soldered, it was, it was kind of pricey. But, okay. Um, yeah. yeah, I could have done it on my own, but that's basically what it was. But yeah, that machine had one. But man, it's like, and, and it was, it was annoying because there was no way to read the status of it. There's no way on that machine that I could find out. Oh, yeah. where you could say, hey, what's the, uh, what's the uh, voltage? The voltage. Because normally with iStat menus and stuff, I mean, you can see all sorts of voltages, but uh, that. Random machine, you know, when it dies, it dies, and there, there's really no way to to know if that is the case. I so, see no such sensor in iStat menus anyway on this machine for a PRAM battery either. So it, yeah. it, it may be that the computer just doesn't have that sensor, right? I mean, it, hmm. you know. All right. All right. Well, that's interesting. Fun stuff. I want to talk about, John, our first sponsor for today, which is Gazelle, gazelle gazelle.com. You know, uh, it's that time of year when you're getting your new iDevices, and maybe because new ones just came out, or maybe because uh, you're going to be doing it as the holidays approach here. And, uh, And so you're going to have an old one, potentially more than one old one, that is no longer of use to you. And that's what Gazelle specializes in. John, they, uh, they will take that old device of yours and turn it into cash. But it, it happens in a, it, it, you know, it, the, the, really the businesses in my mind that succeed are the ones that reduce friction, right? So obviously there are many ways to take anything you own and turn it into cash. Some are obviously easier than others. And, uh, and of course, if you're willing to take your old, you know, uh, 64 gig iPhone five S and sell it for a buck, you can turn that into cash really, really quickly without a whole lot of friction, but you want more than a buck for it. And that's where gazelle comes in, uh, because they're actually going to give you real money for these things. So you go to gazelle.com. You can even do it with your old iPhone five S they've got a great mobile interface. They've got, uh, they've got a great, uh, web interface. You go there, you tell them what you have, what size it is, uh, if it's locked or unlocked, how, you know, that whole drill. And then they give you a price. If you like the price, they ship you a box. It's at that point that they ask you your name and your address, too. You haven't given them anything other than what you have so they can tell you what they will pay you for it. And if you like the price, they send you a box. And then you put the thing in the box. Still, they, they give you a shipping label. It's all free, Right. You don't pay anything. They're the ones that pay for everything. They pay for the shipping. They pay for the box and they pay you 
for the device. You can get it uh, via PayPal. They'll send you a check if you prefer. Or uh, if you're willing to take it as Amazon bucks, which this time of year makes a whole lot of sense because you're probably going to wind up spending some money on Amazon as we head into the holiday buying season. Uh, they'll give you an extra 5%. So why not just go that route? It's way easier. Take that. You'll have your money in a week. It's great. And a week included it is really because you got to, they got to send you a box. You got to put it in the box. You got to send the box back to them at their cost. And then they give you your money. It's that simple right there on Amazon. Good to go. They give you a little gift card. You apply it to your account. You're done. So this is Gazelle, G-A-Z-E-L-L-E.com. Now, John, people have asked us over the years, what does Gazelle do with all these things? And, and a lot of these things, they recycle them, right? And, and recycling can happen in a, a lot of different ways, but they do. They sell them off uh, in bulk a lot of times, too. They'll, they'll bundle up, you know, all the, you know, 64 gig iPhone fives that are unlocked and, you know, sell them in a batch at a, you know, a hundred or a thousand at a time and they get money out of it. And and that, that's how they keep their business going. Right. I mean, it, you know, it's how they work. Well, now they'll sell these individually to you. They have a, what you know, what I like to call a CPO system, certified pre-owned. So they're going through these things as they do all the things that they get. And they are uh, making sure that they work. They're polishing them up. They're making sure the software is right and all that good stuff. And then they'll sell them to you. And you can check that out at gazelle.com as well. So whether you're buying or selling or both for the holiday season or otherwise, go check it out. This is the place to get a phone and sell a phone. That's so cool. That's it a, is cool. That's new. That's yeah, nice. it's yeah. new. I like it. I'm, I'm really stoked about this, actually. Um, it was uh, cool. Yeah. I'm glad they don't throw them in a landfill or something. No, they've never done that. No. To, yeah. Yeah. Just to, just to be in that kind of coin. Yeah. I, I dug into a lot of, right. Well, that's the thing. Yeah. They're paying good money. They're not just going to put these things. Yeah. They're, they're turning them into, into cash for themselves. They're a business, right? Yeah. And I dug into quite a bit of their practices when they first uh, signed on board with Mac Geek I wanted to make sure I understood it. And no, they, they're actually extremely responsible with all this stuff. They're it, in fact, by, Taking Gazelle's money for your phone, you're probably being more responsible with your phone than you would be had you kept it yourself. And eventually, you know, I'm going to save it. And then five years down the road, it's like, I'm just going to throw it away, you know, which yeah. is what happens with a lot of the old cell phones that, that, you know, we wind up sitting on. So, so yeah, no, you're, you're actually being responsible by taking Gazelle's money for your phone. So check them out. Gazelle.com. Good folks there. G-A-Z-E-L-L-E. All right, John, I'm going to move us on to uh, what do we have next? Rick, Rick. Let's see. Let me find Rick. I wasn't uh, wasn't perfectly prepped here. Rick writes, I have on my desk a 2013 27 inch iMac running Yosemite. The desktop has never left my house since being opened the first time. I also have a MacBook Pro 2010 laptop that I travel with extensively in the U.S., on my iMac, I recently opened System Preferences Network Advanced and to try to make sure my home network was the only wireless location that the iMac was trying to connect with. And lo and behold, there were dozens and dozens of locations listed in that dialog box. Upon review, I realized that all these locations mirror those that are on my laptop. So somehow the two machines are syncing wireless locations either one has connected to. And that is less than desirable for me, at least as far as I need my iMac to only connect to my home network. 
I did my move, move my home network to the top of the list and wonder if I delete the rest of loca- locations, will they also delete on my MacBook Pro, uh, which I don't necessarily want to happen. Should these lists be cleared every so often anyway? And why would something like network locations be synced anyway? So we have been seeing this for a while. Um, and First to be clear. He said locations. I don't think that's entirely accurate. Mm. Locations is something different. You're right. You're right. What he's seeing is uh, SSI or base station names. Correct. Um, if you go to network, Wi-Fi, advanced, in the Wi-Fi tab, you're going to yeah. uh, preferred networks, I think, is what he really that, meant. That's that's the right term. You're You're absolutely right. Yeah. Yeah. So this is this will happen not only between your Macs, but also between your iOS devices. And this has been happening for a while. It's not a new thing with Yosemite. Um, My experience with this is that it happens when you sync documents and data. I'm seeing some notes in the chat room. And I think, John, you had found uh, some folks saying that it was, you know, if you're syncing iCloud keychain, I I, that is not um, that is not my experience with this that may be where it's moving to and if it is that's probably a good thing but in the past it has not been there it's been documents and data syncing that uh that caused this and and really you know that's sort of an all or nothing sync if you want any of that stuff to sync then you get all of it to sync and 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 that kind of drives me crazy i mean it's driving uh it's driving Rick crazy with his wireless networks with me just yesterday. I, w- I realized that I had all these inactive mail accounts on my, uh, on my computer. And I'm like, Oh crap. So I went into network and tried to delete them from mail. And it's like, no, you have to go into system preferences, internet accounts and delete them from there. So I did. And I had two copies of my main email account. Well, after deleting those, this computer here in the studio had no copies of my main email account. And in fact, it deleted all of that mail data from mail. Now it's all IMAP and it's all synced, but I was like, okay, so then I added a new one to this computer and then, and I changed the name of it or I gave it a different name so that I'd know if it was, you know, duplicating all my other computers inherited the new name with the account that they had previously existing. It's a, it's a big mess. Um, and I don't see it getting any better. But what's uh, the purpose of that? Is it is it supposed to make it just work? You think is there a, is there some reasoning behind? Well, that? it's actually really handy if okay. you go somewhere and connect your laptop to a right. wireless network, and right. you have a password for it and all of that Can good you go stuff. Back, it reconnects. Well, but it's really handy if your iPhone then also connects uh, to that okay, same. Sure. I mean, I get yeah, it. Yeah. I, I okay, get it. I get that. Yeah. 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 Yeah, and Brian Monroe is uh, it emphatically telling me in the uh, in the chat room here that he sees it in the keychain. That is not where it was in in <laughs> in prior to, to Yosemite. It may it may well be there now in in iOS eight and uh, and Yosemite. That that that's entirely possible. And again, makes a lot of sense because that data in a in a sense should be secured. Although I think most of yeah. the iCloud data is secure, but yeah, no, then previously it was not a keychain thing because we weren't syncing keychains. Yeah. And yet all this data was still syncing. Cause I just noticed like we were at a restaurant last night. I joined Wi-Fi on my iPhone. My laptop's never been there yet. There, there it there is. is the network. Are you doing laptop. keychain syncing? I'm not. You're not. No, really? I don't have keychain turned on. Let me see this. 
Hang on. I'm, yeah. on, I'm, I'm stealing Pete's computer here, folks. Yeah. So we're looking. Uh, I'm going to not apply whatever changes you just made, Pete, yeah. if that's okay. So I'm going into iCloud. Slowly but slowly. Oh. If not slower. <laughs> if not slower. You do have keychain. I didn't think I had the keychain enabled. My iCloud keychain. Yeah, you do. You do. So it could, it could be syncing in keychain. Again, I had always found it in, in just documents and data, which now is, oh, no worries. I get it. Which is, um, is, is there. So yeah, now it's interesting. Yeah. I don't remember turning that on. Yeah. 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 It's a good thing to have on. I mean, it's a handy thing. Yeah. Whether it's in documents and data or keychain sync, it doesn't much matter. You're probably not going to want to turn either one off just to limit this functionality. Yeah, well, you know, you say, you know, it, in theory, it, right, it should be good, but, That's right. but boy, it can create a mess. I bet, and if something gets corrupt in there, stand yep. by. <laughs> yep, yep. So, yeah, and I'm sure the mail stuff. I don't. I think the mail stuff is documents and data syncing uh, that I'm finding. And and you can, you know, you can dig around. It, it's also gotten harder to, to dig into this stuff, right, John? Because if it is a documents and data thing or, or now an I, iCloud drive thing, right? If you go into, uh, it used to be that you could go into your home folder, into library and into mobile documents and you would see not everything, right? And there would, all the file names would be really weird. They would have some thing approximating a UDID. Some of them would, or an app ID. And then you'd have a bunch of folders with com tilde, Apple tilde something, right? If you, you know, uh, now on Yosemite, if you go into that folder, all you see are what I'll call humanized names of things, right? And are you on Yosemite on this machine? I am. Yeah. So if you go into the iCloud folder, which you can get to much easier now, but it's the same folder. You see humanized names. You see pages, numbers, keynote, right? If you go there. Um, I just turned it on. I had not okay. turned on iCloud Drive. So oh, okay. All right. So it might, take, it might take some time to see. Yeah. yeah. But that's what you'll see there. However, all these other folders exist. And for me, the only way I've been able to go and, and muck with them now is with the terminal. I have to go and do it manually with the command line. Uh, I have to go to library mobile documents or home library mobile documents. And then you can see all these other things that live out here. But um, it's kind of a pain in the neck. And, you know, com tilde Apple tilde mail, I think, is where, um, yeah, where your your accounts and all that stuff gets synced. Maybe. I don't know. It's all crazy. Yep. Wow. Yeah. Boy, that was fast to set up. But, yeah, it's all right there. And, and like you say, in uh, easy to remember names. Yep. Yeah, well, it's nice, except it's, it, it, it's, you know, yeah, it's there. And it, it, I mean, that last night, that was a big disaster for me. In, in, that's actually the disaster for me with mail is not over because it still was syncing my mail data when I uh, woke up the computer this morning okay. and I didn't want it syncing mail data while I'm trying to podcast. We have enough troubles. <laughs> so I had to quit mail. And at the end of the podcast, everybody that's in the chat room at MacGeekab.com slash stream, I'll say hello. You folks have been very helpful today. Uh, We'll have to deal with my machine hiccuping and burping because mail is now crunching in the background. So it's crazy. And I'm going to do a quick segue on that. Go. Because one of the things you were shutting down when I walked in was time machine on this machine. Oh, yeah. And then I said, well, why aren't you using the time machine editor, Dave? Yeah. And Dave said, 
Well, I was, and it got working oddly. So, John, have you updated Time Machine Editor lately? Hello. How long's John been gone? I don't know. <laughs> no, it's still. I'm I'm still running it. Seems seems to work just fine. Okay, so I realized that for me it was not working well, and so when this when I had to rebuild this machine the other day, I just turned normal time or not rebuild, but uh, I turned normal Time Machine back on. So I disabled Time Machine Editor, which was. Uh, was and actually still is a great little piece of freeware that lets you set the schedule for time machine, but it wasn't working. So I just turned it off and then turned time machines, normal hourly scheduling back on and, and everything was golden, except I needed to then turn time machine off for the show. And Pete, as he said, said, why don't you use time machine editor? And I thought, well, it's not working. I thought, well, you know, it, I haven't updated that in several years. Let me check. So they're at time machine editor version four, actually four Oh two, which just came out in September. They have a new thing, John. So it used to be that you could set it uh, by calendar intervals by saying, you know, a backup every Monday at 10 a.m. or whatever, um, or set a set interval where it would go every, you know, six hours, every eight hours, whatever you were happy with. Well, now they have a new option in Time Machine Editor, John, and it is when inactive. And that's all the setting you need if you're going to use that mode. And it says Time Machine Editor will do its best to schedule backups when you are not actively using the machine. So I'm curious to see how that works, but that's, um, that's a very fascinating little thing and worthy of a mention ahead of cool stuff found. Yes. Yeah. So it's pretty good, right? Indeed. Yeah. 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 Sweet. All right, John, you want to take us to Michael since we were rambling and ranting about my mail app and things getting accounts getting confused? Michael, oh, Michael's a mess, man. We're going to fix him up here. So um, here's what's happening with Michael. So he says, hi, Dave and John. I took the plunge and upgraded to Yosemite after ensuring all necessary backups were in place. The upgrade went well, and when the system came back up, the only problem I encountered was with Apple Mail. My POP3 account with O2 would receive emails without a problem, but I was unable to send them. When I looked at the settings, I found the SMTP setting was marked offline. See attached screenshot. I took the following actions, none of which resolved the problem. I checked the data was correct. I re-entered the data. I deleted the account and set it up fresh. Any help you can give me would be appreciated. Best wishes, Mike. And then he sent some screenshots, which is very handy because, Dave, I can tell you what the problem is here. What be like the I problem? Said, it's a mess. <laughs> so he, his screenshot showed one, two. So what happens is if mail can't send a message, which when you send, you're sending using something called SMTP and mail maintains a list of SMTP settings. He had one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight listed. Now, that's not good because he only has one, two, three, four, five email accounts. And then they were all listed and a number of them were listed as offline. And the thing is, he even selected one that said and it was failing, but and it would say, you know, like O2 UK offline. Well, what does that mean? What that means is that for whatever reason, one of the settings, uh, whether it be the server or the authentication method or something, something's not right. It ain't right, Dave. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah. So really what he had to do and my recommendation. Uh, so it was, it was pretty clear to me, again, looking at this list here, it's showing all of them offline, which means that at some point it, it failed to connect to it. Um, he got very close because in that dialogue, you will see, you know, when it says can't send a message using the server, blah, blah, you'll see a list of them. You know, it, it, mail will first ask you, well, hey, you want to you want to try a different one? But then there's a button edit SMTP server list. And this is what he has to do. So he has some old cruft in there that he's got to clear out. So my recommendation is as follows. Go into edit SMTP server list. Clear out all the garbage in there. And then start anew and start adding. Um, so, of course, when you go when you go to edit SMTP server list, I'll do that right now. So uh, and how do you do that? You go to mail, you look at your accounts. It'll show your mail accounts. Oh, that's not the right place. Sorry. Yeah, yeah no, no, that's right. right. You have to dig into accounts. Or here, preferences. So preferences. Uh, so here, uh, there's a couple of ways to get to it. So okay. one is if it fails, you'll get an edit. SMTP server list. The other way is you can uh, go to preferences and then you'll see your accounts. And then there's a outgoing mail server list. And you can also say edit SMTP server list. So once you click on that button, you'll see a list of all your SMTP accounts. So I, what I would do in his case is get rid of all of them. There's a little minus button. I, I would basically clear all of them out and then add them, you know, uh, check your settings, you know, verify with your, um, uh, ISP, what the name of the outgoing SMTP server is, and that's in the uh, account information um, tab. And then okay. there's also an advanced tab. And what happens there is that's how uh, mail is going to authenticate um, to that server. And typically, uh, or at least the way I'm set up on this machine here, you know, there's one button which will indicate which port to use. Um, so you probably want to say use default ports, uh, you know, 25, 465, 587. SSL may be supported. And then there's the authentication method. And at least for for, for me, it's uh, for the, the ones that I use, it's password. And so you typically enter your username or your email account name and then the password uh, for that account. And, and that should do it for him. So I'm going to... Uh mention mm -hmm. that that ports list ought to often um so it, it 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 changed right in in yosemite we now get a checkbox that says automatically detect and maintain account settings and that does not show you the order in which it's going to check ports in fact it doesn't even mention ports specifically there though clearly yeah, that's look at that. part of account settings yeah, and even in Mavericks, that auto selection did not always work well, uh, depending on your mail server. So if it most of the time, you probably want to use port 465 and check the use SSL box and and uh, and then use password authentication to connect to your mail server, your outgoing mail server. This is. So if it detects it, yeah, if it detects it and works automatically for you. Great. But, um, but oftentimes it's not going to, this was actually, and this is really, and I will use this as a segue to talk about Mac tech, but this was a dinner table conversation uh, or one of the topics of a dinner table conversation on Thursday night where there were just a bunch of us sitting around. It could have been any table um, at this thing. And, and you know, there were 300 people there 
And every table would have been interested in, I think in every conversation that any other table was having, but it's, it's awesome to just immerse yourself with geeks for three or four days. Um, You know, it's, I mean, it's like all of us having a conversation all the time. It it probably would get, I don't know if it would ever get old, frankly, I, I think I would love it all the time, but I certainly love it for the period of time that I'm at any of these shows. And Mac tech is, is high on my list, uh, probably my current favorite uh, show and, and probably frankly has been for years in terms of content and the people and, and just the, the, the vibe of it. Uh, it, it really, they really, really do a great job. Um, but yeah, that was, that was one of the conversations we were having and somebody else brought it up. They're like, well, it doesn't quite, you know, work the way you expect it to. And we all were like, yeah, yeah, we know, you know, <laughs> um, yeah. Cause half support group kind of, uh, and, and half informative. We actually had a long, uh, engaging discussion about IPv6 at the table. In fact, it made me realize I should have done an IPv6 session at Mac Tech, and maybe I will propose that to Neil Tickton next year um, or, or any other show, because I think we all need to start using it. And it starts with us geeks. But we've had that conversation here. We just haven't had it um, amongst the geeks yet, or at least not those geeks. So, uh, so yeah, no, Mac Tech. Uh, it, it was, it, it's always a fantastic show. The other thing that came up at that same dinner conversation, John, is another show that you and I really need to consider going to called Kansas Fest. Do you, we've talked about this a little bit. Do you know what I'm talking about with Kansas Fest, John? No. It is an, it is a show that happens in uh, Kansas City, Missouri every year in July. And it is an Apple II festival. And, it's as, as, um, as, as my friend, my new friend, Ivan, uh, said to me, it's way better than you'd think it would be or that it even should be. But, um, but it will inspire, likely inspire anybody that attends to dig out or go and get, uh, their old Apple two and, and start messing around. But it, it's, it's, it, it I've, I've heard about this. I, 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 I stumbled onto it about five years ago. And I, and I was going to go, I even remember mentioning it to you, John, and uh, for whatever reason, it's in July, which is a tough time to travel, especially for me, frankly, because, uh, you know, that's when the kids are out of school and it's tough for me to be away um, during that, that period of time. But um, I, I'm, I'm going to put it again on, on my calendar this year in hopes that uh, I can make it. And John, I think you would have a blast there too. I would think it would be a fun show for us to attend. So we got to check out, we got to keep an eye on Kansas Fest. So I wanted to recommend that to everyone here because, you know, there you go. Well, they're having one in Australia in April, a Kansas fest, K fest, K fest, an Apple two festival. Uh, appears to be. Yeah. Okay. But they wanted to See, have one down in us. Too, okay. Know, so, got it. You know, okay. Yeah. Okay. So they're franchising and expanding. Yeah. Yeah. Isn't this crazy? Yeah. So somebody like uh, somebody was telling me that um, there was a new peripheral made a new board made for an Apple II. John, you would you would love this. So right now, if you uh, go and download an Apple II emulator for your Mac or probably even for your iPhone, if you can find one, uh, you might need to jailbreak to do that. But um, it, but if you download an Apple II emulator for your Mac or any computer, you then go and find ROM files, which really are just effectively images of the floppies that you used to insert into your Mac. And that's how you do it. You say, oh, I'm going to point, you know, uh, slot six drive one at this ROM file and then boot that drive. And then it starts up from the disc. That's, that's how the emulation works. You don't, you're not actually inserting discs into your Mac because there's no place to put them. Um, somebody created a board 
that you put into your Apple II and you put an SD card in and the SD card has all these ROM files on it. And then the board on the board, you select which ROM file you want it to quote unquote load. And then when you boot your Apple II, it's actually loading from the ROM files on your SD card, even though and but your Apple II only sees it. So your Apple II doesn't have to be able to address all the storage that's on your, your SD card because that would be a huge trick. But um, but the trick is it doesn't have to. The card does. And then the card, you know, basically translates it and makes it seem like a drive and, and it starts right up. This is fun stuff, man. The fact that people are doing this with Apple twos, um, it's, I, I think a huge part nostalgic, but also a huge part, just super geeky and, and fun. So yeah, that's cool. Yeah. 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 Um, so on the airplane, John, I use uh, video station on my Synology and DS video on my, on my iPad and, and, and an iPhone to watch movies. Right. <laughs> But there's some movies that video station won't play the sound for. And that's always a pain in the neck. Plays it fine when I stream them to my Apple TV, but does not play the sound fine on my device. Well, I found another piece of software, John, to do, and it's because the sound is encoded in a way that's not natively supported on the iPad. And there's a lot of video player apps that only will play sound uh, and video, frankly, that's natively supported. It just basically is tapping into the, the, um, default iOS framework for playing video. It says, go and play this file. And if iOS doesn't know what to do with the sound, it just, you get no sound and sorry, Charlie. Right. So, uh, but it doesn't have to be sorry, Charlie. There have been apps over the years that have come and gone for various reasons. VLC used to be one of them. Maybe it still is, but it, it's always been kind of in, in flux, but that doesn't matter because infuse and infuse pro are out. Um, infuse is, uh, is it's it, it's amazing what they've done with this. Um, it's from the folks at Firecore, right? So these are people that know how to find their way through things, which is really important. It's a gorgeous app. So the the best part about Infuse, I don't know what the best part. The main part, I don't even know if I say the main part. One great part about Infuse is that it will play any audio type and pretty much any video type too, and any subtitle type for a movie. Now it's also got a metadata loader. I can point this thing at my disc station, either with DLNA or with SMB or however I want to point it at it. It will attach to my Plex server on the disc station. It will attach to just the disc station itself. However, I want to do this and I can pull movies off of it and the exact same movie file. It's not doing any transcoding on the way it's doing it all on device. Uh, the exact same movie file that won't play inside the DS video app will play just fine inside Infuse. Yeah. Whoa. Yeah. yeah. And, and it's got a nice library. It's got a nice picker. There's a couple things that make, it doesn't have an easy way of searching that I've found. So you've got to kind of know what you're looking for um, and know how to find it. But once you find it, all the metadata comes with it and all that good stuff. And it's really, I mean, it's a gorgeous app. A, a lot of these kind of, I don't want to call them hacky apps, but the apps that, the apps that prioritize being able to play video and audio that have come and gone over the years have never really had a great UI. Infuse is different. It has a killer UI, uh, almost to the point, and perhaps perhaps it will get this way, so I don't just don't have to deal with the headache. Um, 
it'll be, it'll become the app that I download and, and play all my videos with. But I certainly, it's certainly one that um, I definitely need to keep on my iPad and my iPhone. So, um, so that was, that was an interesting piece of uh, interesting little find infuse three is what they're up to now. And uh, yeah, it's definitely worth checking out. And I, I will segue that John, unless you have any questions for me into uh, into the fact that the iPhone six plus on the airplane was an awesome thing to watch movies on. I really, I, on the way out, I watched a movie on each. I watched one on the, uh, on the iPad mini and then one on the, on the six plus. Which is an iPad mini mini, (laughs) which is like an iPad mini mini. That's right. Yeah. And it was great. It really isn't. I I didn't even notice that I was on a smaller device. It was totally fine. It fit on the the ever shrinking tray tables on the, uh, You, you know, Some I, guy I can't lean back and break your iPhone six plus because no, it's small enough. Because it's small <laughs> enough. Yeah, it worked out really well. Uh, I was I was very impressed. I it, and after traveling this week with it, I will never go with a phone smaller than this. This was awesome size. Yeah, I, I finally broke down and ordered mine the other night. Yeah, I actually ordered. I'm AT and T, but I ordered a T Mobile. Oh, um, you know, because yep. it's unlocked. Yep. Yep. Not doing the lock thing anymore. Yeah. Well, <laughs> right, right. So yeah, it, it worked great. The battery was great all week. This week. I moved it into a, um, a Senna case. I, I had reached out to Senna to, to check out some of their cases. You know, I had that cheap $10 uh, leather-esque um, Amazon that case that I found on Amazon that was essentially a wallet kind of billfold thing that opens up and has credit cards on the inside and, um, and all of that. Uh, I, I reached out to Senna to test their case out. And so I tested their Heritage wallet book out. I like that. You know, so here's the thing, Pete. When I first got this case, I, I liked it. I put it on the phone and I thought, okay, well, this is nice, but you know, my That's Amazon, big. my Amazon case was 10 bucks and this one's like 80, right? Yeah. I mean, so, you know, w- would I, would I buy this? And, and it initially I thought, no, you know, it's, it's, I'd buy eight of the other ones before I'd buy one of these Sure. and it was stiff and it was kind of weird and it doesn't have a flap to close it, you know, or a lock to close it, which I actually eventually found after about two days uh, they, they, they sent us one for the six and for the six plus. So I put the one for the six on Lisa. She had exactly the same experience as me initially. I thought, wow, it's stiff. It doesn't stay closed. All this after like two days, the leather starts to, you know, warm up a little bit. It oh. closes, it Ooh. softens up and it's awesome. And there's no way I want to take this thing off my phone. <laughs> oh, it's, you know, it's beautiful though. Cause it's, it's uh, yeah. yeah. You can, it's got a little clear window for your driver's license, but the ability to slide your you yep. know, thumb in there and slide it out. And it's got a little pocket um, for cash. If you want to keep a little cash in there. Now I know where you keep your cash. That's right. Jones and for one of these, man, that's nice. It's nice. Yeah. It really is. Uh, they've done a great job with it. The one complaint it, and it's, it's fairly protective of the phone itself around the edges, which I like sure. the one complaint I have is sometimes the leather is so soft that it doesn't stay oh, up in, yeah. in what I call folio mode where you, you put it up like where, where you'd want to tilt it up and watch a movie. That's my only complaint about it um, is, is that it, it, it's a little, the leather is actually too soft on the, on the back and it, it, it folds a little much for me. It needs, it needs something to lock into sure. so that it, it doesn't slip. But uh, especially in turbulence, especially in turbulence. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Right. Right. But otherwise, um, very, very happy with it. So I figured I'd throw that out there too. Anything. I got all kinds of things to mention, John, because there's, uh, there were all kinds of cool things that happened this week. So, um, 
So I've got other stuff that's not really Mac tech related. Although I did take a Swift class, John. Have you messed with Swift at all? <sighs> yeah, a little bit. It's a nice language. Mm-hmm. Better than Objective C. I don't like Objective C. Yeah, in brackets. I, you know, I, I never could quite wrap my head around Objective C in a way that I liked it. Um, I spend a lot of time in PHP, which is a, you know, it's another curly brace language, right? You know, a, a descendant of C, if you will, or an offshoot of C, certainly. Um, its objectiness is a little weird. Uh, but, um, but it's, but, and, and, and from what I've told, it's, it's similar to C sharp in that way. And Swift is similar to both of those, right? Um, there's, there's none of these weird brackets. Uh, it's very easy to, um, very easy to read. Uh, it's, it's a little misleading as you dig into it. You, it, it does all this type inference stuff, which means that, uh, the, the type of your variable it will, you don't have to define it. Like if you set, you know, a variable called uh, name, uh, the first thing that you assign to that, it will infer if you, if you assign a string to that, it makes it a string. If you assign an integer, it makes it an int, but it, so it feels sort of loosey goosey with its types, but it's actually way more strict than objective C with its types. Because once the type of a variable is set, that shalt not change. Um, and, and it gets really weird if you start trying to mix variable types. Um, so you really got to, it, it inference is great cause it makes the code easy to read and it makes it cleaner, but, um, but you darn well better know what you've done with these variables because later on it's, you know, you need to know what the types are. So it's, it, that part was, was interesting, but I really liked it. Um, I found it very comfortable, especially, you know, spending all my days in, in PHP working on stuff for, you know, for the back end of TMO and for all the MGG stuff and all that. So I was, I was very impressed. I took the class with uh, Simon Allardyce, who is, he is actually an on staff trainer at Linda um, and, uh, and does a lot of programming classes there. So they're not a sponsor of this particular episode, but they are a long-term sponsor of Mac Geek Kevin still are. So coupon, his, his it, fundamentals Lind of, of programming is amazing he, and he's a great guy yeah lynda.com yeah. slash mgg if you want a seven-day free trial and that's a that's a bonus mention for the linda folks but uh but simon simon did a killer job he really yeah yeah his fundamentals of programming is one i actually want to take now yeah it's fabulous I, yeah. I went through that yeah i yeah. love it yeah so what else we got john i got all kinds of things did you see that uh amazon prime members now get to back up all of their photos for free unlimited Oh, that's nice. I know they got a little iOS app that'll take care of all that for you. Amazon cloud drive. I think it's called. So that's a yeah. good thing. I do that with Dropbox, at least for my iPhone, but it's not free. I mean, it's not it is, unlimited it is for me. The Dropbox oh, right. isn't unlimited. Yeah, that's what I meant. Yeah. yeah. Amazon is, but just yeah. Good. Well, we'll see how long that lasts. Cause actually, uh, who is it? Yeah. You know, I had, <sighs> uncool things found yeah <laughs> bitcasa re recently did some change on their back end oh yeah and it it totally doesn't work for me anymore it, it's like totally munged they're like yeah we're, we're doing you know some sort of big whoop-de-doo upgrade in the back end and you're gonna have to re uh resync your stuff and i'm like yeah all right you know sure so, you know i got an email from them you know clicked on a button and it said yeah you know we're we're you know transferring or migrating your your back end from you know one to the other and i'm like okay and 
tried to re-mirror, so they call it mirroring, tried to re-mirror uh, folders from my machine that used to work, and it would get to almost the end, and then it would say, yep, I'm almost done, you know, zero bytes remaining, and, and it would never finish, and it never appeared on their on their site. Did you contact uh, support? I, uh, I'll try. Yeah. But, you know, hey, it's free, but, but they also abandoned their... Uh, they're unlimited, unlimited plan, right. which has some people shaking their fist because, you know, one of their promises was, yeah, we got this infinite plan. Right. You know, if you pay a certain amount of money now, they, they cap it. But, uh, but man, you know, and I, I didn't, you know, I, I can't imagine what I did to screw anything up. I mean, you know, I followed the directions, uh, sure. you know, clicked on the migrate button, downloaded the latest, uh, latest version of their client on both of my machines here on, uh, on both my Yosemite and, and uh, my Mavericks machine, but uh, it, it doesn't mirror anymore. Yeah. I'll try to contact. Yeah. Support. I'm curious. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, you and I'm I not paying. I don't have a paid program. I you know, just have the, the freebie. Right. 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 But there's always something, you know, it, it, I mean, I, I, I tend to given how much extra stuff I test and install and the tweaks that I do to my system, I tend to always give those kinds of things the benefit of the doubt, at least on one round through support, because uh, it could very well be something that, you know, in this case, you've done on your machine that just makes it non-standard enough to to get in the way of that. Right. Yeah. I mean, I poked around other forms and one suggestion was, uh, yeah, you know, to delete the, uh, you know, cache files. They maintain yep. a cache somewhere and, you know, I cleared cleared that out. But uh Nah, I'll contact their support. Yeah, but, you know. Yeah, curious again, to I'm see. Not, uh, I'm not paying for it, so uh, you they know, might, we'll see what happens. Right, but, you know, it was a right fine replacement for uh, Sugar Sync, which you know. So why why are abandoned. you why are you why are you bothering with all of these messy online services when you have a disk station there where you could use either cloud station or or BitTorrent sync, frankly, and and just do it that way and not have to worry about some third party mucking about with your with your life? Well, I like uh have my stuff in multiple places. Ah, uh, yeah. Okay. Fair enough. So for example, I mirror, you know, certain things like my documents folder. I mirror it to, uh, you know, both, uh, transporter and, yep. uh, and formally <laughs> Bitcasa. Yeah. And now they're, they're broken. Yep. No, I always like, uh, you know, as we've pointed out in the past here, having one backup is, is not enough. It's not so enough. I, I like totally. To, so, you know, stuff that's important to me, you know, just in the time machine and, you know, uh, Dropbox, you know, I'll put some stuff on Dropbox. I, I just like to, you know, and just to be hip with, uh, you know, the services. But yeah, Bitcasa was pretty cool for a while, but now, yeah. uh, now, now I'm sad. So uh, I'll see if they can fix me up. So Synology had an update this week or uh, have an, has an update coming, I suppose. Uh, I think officially it comes out on Tuesday, but you can get early access if you want to uh, DSM version 5.1. Which adds something I've been interested. It adds quite a few things, actually. But, but one thing that I've been interested in checking out for a while and, and just started playing with is they've added a completely new service. So they have Audio Station where you can basically do your own local iTunes match thing. I mentioned Video Station earlier. Now they have, and there's a lot of other stations that they have too, they have added uh, something called Note Station, which is effectively heading down the path of becoming uh, like a your own local uh, Evernote-esque server. 
right? So your Synology acts as the server. Uh, they have already have an iOS out, out for it, which is better. QNAP has had notes station for a while. Uh, they have no iOS app. It is all web-based. Uh, but, you know, I do a lot of the things with with notes. I, I've been a Yojimbo user for a long time, but Yojimbo just really doesn't work on, on the iPhone or iPad. Yes, you can sync to the iPad, but it's sort of a one way thing and it's kind of it's not really functional. Uh, I mean, it's functional and it, it syncs one way, but it, it doesn't allow you to edit notes. So it, Yojimbo, basically, I use for Mac Geekab stuff and legacy things that, that I had kept in Yojimbo for a long time. It does sync across all my Macs. But I've used been using something called Simple Note for a long time. Um, there is uh, there are iOS apps for it, and it has a very simple, easy to use web app uh, for that you can use on your Mac. And so Note Station on Synology really appeals to me because you know maybe it's the kind of thing that where I can tie all of this together. Yes, I could do this with Evernote too, and I've known that for a long time. But uh, I'm just curious to see how how Note Station comes along. the 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 biggest thing that I'm confused about right now is you have to log in and dig too far on the web to get there on your Mac. So I'm hoping that I'm just missing something and there's just a more direct web interface to get directly to note station. Um, Cause that would start me using it almost immediately, but it's, it's fairly robust, especially for a 1.0. I mean, you can do all kinds of text formatting. You can add attachments. The syncing works great. Uh, it, it, I mean, I, I just turned it on and, and it was, smooth logged in with my iPhone. It's, it's a great experience on the iPhone and the iPad. So, um, so, you know, I throw that out there. I'm, it's, I'm not, I'm not sure if it's, you know, the kind of thing that I'd, I'd say, go dive in and do all your stuff there right now, but maybe in the next six months it is. And maybe, maybe even sooner than that, just as we learn more about it. But I like to see things like that. The evolution. It's good. The more I can host myself, the better, because then I don't have to deal with, crazy services. And I, I agree with you though. Everything needs to be backed up, which is why I run crash plan on the Synology and it, it backs up um, two places. It backs, I, I have a subscription with crash plan. So it backs up to them. And then I have a Drobo at Pete's house. And so it backs up to him and works out really well. As there was another iPad app uh, or another app that came out with iPad updates this week, John, you know, which one that was? No, the Mac geek app now oh. is native on, uh, on the iPad, which is new for us, and also native on the uh, iPhone 6 and 6 Plus. So uh, so check that out. It, it, the chat interface works on the iPad. Everything works on the iPad. Corey did a great job uh, just enhancing it out and, and, and making that work. Really, really cool stuff. And uh, so you can, you can obviously download the shows. You can access the chat room, which is going live all the time because the the... Uh, chat is or the uh, stream is live all the time now with if the show isn't uh, happening live, then it's just going through and, and rotating um, recent episodes. Ten most recent is what we've got it set to now. So you can always use it to just tap into the stream or if you want to hear a specific episode, of course, it lets you do that. You can make bookmarks in the app uh, to save things. You can provide feedback from the app, which is really cool because we get uh, the location and episode number. So that you, not your not your physical location, but the the time location in the episode, uh, you, we get a timestamp and episode number, not location information. Um, we don't need to know where you are. So uh, so we know what the feedback is coming from. It's very cool. So go ahead and check that out. It's uh, it's live in the abstract. Actually, has been all week. But uh, I wanted to 
wanted to make sure we mentioned it in the show here. Anything else, Mr. Braun? We've had all kinds of things to talk about. So, uh, so, you know, it's good. Anything? Yeah. Hello? Uh, well, I'll save some up. Been to some shows recently. Okay. Got a few articles uh, about cool stuff that I've seen that uh, got to gotta get up there. Okay, there's cool. A, there's a few a few in the queue. But uh-huh. yeah, I've been to uh, Photo Plus. There was some neat stuff there. I was at Engadget Expand. And then next week, uh, CES Unveiled and Wine, Dine, and Demo. Yeah, I'm not sure if I'm going to join you on Tuesday or not. I'm going to see how tomorrow mm-hmm. being Monday goes. And then I will make a decision. But um, I've got, uh, I've basically got two weeks in the office and then, and then we're heading out um, at the end of, of Friday week. We head out for, uh, for a week away. We're doing a, a cruise over Thanksgiving this year. So, so we'll probably save a, in fact, let's definitely plan to do a cool stuff found episode on the Sunday after Thanksgiving, because I won't be back until late that Saturday night. So cool stuff found will be. Perfect. And I actually wanted to throw out a couple of things. We had listener Ken who was asking what RSS readers you folks use or we use. And I'm sort of in limbo with that right now, too. Uh, I used to use Net Newswire, but, you know, that's been sort of going crazy. And now um, at least the uh, I think the person who was developing it now has moved on and, and gotten a job at Apple. So that's probably going to stop or has stopped. So I'm curious what RSS readers you use both on your Macs and on your iOS devices. And if you sync them, I asked Adam Christensen, and I know he's using some apps that all sync with Feedly F E E D L Y. Uh, so I'm curious what, what you folks use. So we'll talk about that in an up- upcoming show. Send in your, your answers about that. And I'm also curious what apps you like to use when traveling. And, and if there's specifically any apps you like to use on cruise ships, um, I used to use starry skies on, uh, on the ship to see constellations and all that good stuff, because you can use that even without a data connection. Right. And I typically don't, in fact, I, I've never gotten a data connection on, on board the cruise ship. You can, and, and they've actually gotten quite fast, but I, I like to take a week away. So I typically don't want to connect and, and check in with the world, but I'm sure there's all kinds of fun apps that, uh, that I can use. So that would be another fun conversation for us to have. So if there's anything else and, and even, um, you know, Starry Skies has been transitioned. Tim De Benedictus sold it, uh, sold it off, and is uh, not developing that anymore. So I'm curious, or no, I'm sorry, not Starry Skies. Sky Safari was Tim's thing. So I'm curious what you use to identify constellations these days. Uh, I'd love to hear about that, and if it's working well with the six plus and all that good stuff. So anything like that would be fun. Anything else, John? Before we uh, before we bid. Bid adieu for yet another fantastic week. Uh, nope. Keep keep your eye on Mac Observer. Okay. Yeah. Cool. A few articles about some of the neat things that I've seen as of late. Sweet. I'm looking forward to that, man. Throw in Dig Reader just while we're in. What, what are you going to throw in? Dig, uh, Dig Reader is is one that looks like it has an iOS client. Dig? Yeah. D I G G. Okay. Yeah. I haven't uh, I haven't tried their iOS client. I've used that some. Okay. But, uh, let me find it. I'll throw it on the show note there. Okay, great. So that that's not just for the website dig, but uh, somehow related to that. Yeah. It's just a, a generic reader. Yeah. yeah, a reader of sorts. All right, sweet. That's great. Sweet. All right. 
Well, you can email us. Uh, you know what, John? Actually, I'm going to uh, I'm going to fade out the band here quickly because I, I do have one comment I wanted to uh, to play here, John, because this is this is very very important. Hi, John and Dave. This is Thad in Hawaii, and I just wanted to give you a useless but interesting piece of trivia. The shortest word in the English language that contains the letters A, B, C, D, E, and F is feedback. Enjoy your day. Don't get caught. Aloha. That's right. Feedback at MacGeekGab.com is the address that you could send things to and use all of those letters, uh, but just not in their really? alphabetical order. That's right. Really, Dave? I don't know if I quite heard him. Did, did he say feedback? He did. He used the first six letters of the, the alphabet and uh, and called it feedback at MacGeekCab.com. Also, premium at MacGeekCab.com. For those of you that are premium members, we certainly appreciate your support, and uh, and we love to hear from you. And we do prioritize that address, though. We do try and often, almost always succeed in getting through everything, which is a good thing. Google Plus is where you folks have found the Mac Geek Gab community. It just it's growing like crazy over there. So uh, MacGeekGab.com slash Google Plus will get you there. That's the easiest way to find it. But of course, once you're there, you can join the community and then it just becomes part of your Google Plus experience. And uh, and we'd love to see you there. Great. Not only are you answering questions and we're or you asking questions and we're answering them. But you're asking questions and you're answering them. It's a great community. And when I, you know, when I'm traveling and I don't get in for a couple of days, I, I check in and I see, oh, everything's been taken care of all is well with the world. So it's you really have impressed me uh, with the, the community there. And it's really fantastic. And it's growing really, really, really quickly. So I, I encourage you to join. It's the best community we've ever found. For Mac Geek Cab. I still have visions of developing our own system so we can do away with email and everything and just post all the questions somewhere that everyone can see. And, and we're going to work on that. That's part of, I think, part of the 2015 plan. But uh, but certainly for now and, and perhaps for, for long term, Google Plus is the place to visit. John, what about the phone number? Last I checked, Dave, the phone number is 206-666-GEEK, which is also 4335. Indeed. We want to thank Michael Johnston. He converts the show from uh, from its raw form into the chapterized, link-loved, beautiful, enhanced format that so many of you enjoy. That is available in the app. Uh, it takes, Michael, usually about a day or maybe sometimes two to convert that. So if you don't want to wait for it to appear in uh, in the app and you want to get it and get the show immediately, you can turn that off in the app uh, in the settings. But uh, but I know a lot of you really, really like the uh, the chapters and it is worth waiting a little bit for. So uh, thank you, Michael, so much. Michael is the host of the iOS show podcast. And also the publisher of GetAppler.com. So check those out, too. And we want to thank Cashfly, C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y.com, for providing all the bandwidth to get the show from us to you. And our sponsors this month are, of course, we want to thank Gazelle, Gazelle.com. They, uh, they will buy and now sell you iOS devices. Gently use. 
Barebones Software at barebones.com. Smile at smilesoftware.com. Squarespace.com slash NGG. And, of course, we mentioned Linda during the show, lynda.com slash MGG for those seven days. And Drobo with the coupon code MGG50 to get 50 bucks off of the Gen 3 Drobo. I think that's going away soon, so better get that before it does. John, lasting advice. I don't know. I don't know if I have any advice, Dave. Well, maybe I do. And I think the advice would be don't get caught. Made up.